Welcome back to the Conversations with Jeff Bucknam podcast. I am your host for the next few episodes, Jeff Bucknam, and I am having conversation today with another Jeff, Jeff Sharda, and Carl Barco's here. We're hoping he doesn't talk as much, but but Jeff Sharda, it is great to see. Jeff Sharda is, uh, is the, what is your official title? Please don't say chief financial officer. Stop it. That's okay. not a church title. I will not say that. I am the CFO. <laughs> also known as the chief financial <laughs> officer. <laughs> All right. So in a church, he, he looks after the finance. And uh, it is really great to see you. How long have you been at Harvest Bible Chapel, Jeff Sharda? We have been attending here for about seven years. And I've been on staff for five of those. Wow. Yes. So where did you first start attending? Do you live, you live in a, near Aurora? Real close. Yep. We live in Batavia and started attending Aurora right away. Okay. So that's yeah. the, that's where you, you started atten- coming to. Yeah. yeah. You didn't come to any, you didn't ever saw anybody live. Never. Every now and then. Well, I came down to Aurora and I was live and you didn't come then either. Nobody gave me the memo that we were having a special guest, so special guest. I, I happened to miss that week. Well, he only attends live. I know he does. Or non-live. He attends it. True, true. He attends occasionally. Jeff, where are you from? I grew up in Michigan, um, in the west side of Michigan, and then spent 12 years in Colorado. So the west side of Michigan, what, uh, what town? What's the name of the town? A little-ish town called Holland. He's Dutch. That's... that's, uh, that's I think that's not littleish, is it? Mm, it's little. Because I've heard of Holland, Michigan. Yeah. Why have I heard of Holland, Michigan? Is it at Tulips? Tulip time. Ah, You're yes. right in the middle of tulip time yep. right now. Yes. Tulips okay. and windmills. That's right. Did you grow up? Uh, did you grow up farming, or did your fa- was your family involved in tulips in any way? I couldn't grow um, anything, so no, I did not grow up farming. Um, but but I do have a little bit of Dutch history that uh, my father actually runs a store that imports Dutch food. Stroopwafels. From the Netherlands. Oh. From the motherland. Honestly, wow. they are, Stroopies are the best, uh, they are the best dessert there is. Yeah. Have you ever had a Stroopwafel and you put a dollop of like, uh, a dollop of vanilla ice cream on that baby? No. Oh. But you can dip it in coffee. It's also this is yeah. true. magical. Yeah. They're great when you go biking too. Yep. Excellent source of energy. Yeah. Um, so how Dutch are you? Like clog wearing Dutch? You're very tall. You're a very tall guy. Blonde. I would say I'm 100% Dutch, meaning my full lineage is Dutch. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm purebred. Okay. So how yeah. many of the Dutch jokes or the jokes about Dutch people are true? I mean, the tall thing, that's one of them that is true. It seems yep. like every Dutch person I meet is really, really tall. Uh, the... The amount of money they like to spend or not spend, is that a true? Yes. <laughs> 100% accurate. Okay. That's so what you're, makes him a good CFO. So you're Listen, f- if we ever go on a date, Jeff, we're going Dutch. All right. <laughs> true. <laughs> All right. I guess we won't go on a date then, Jeff. <laughs> uh, so, that okay. But you were trained. You went and lived in, in Colorado for a while. Where, where in Colorado were you living? We lived in Colorado Springs. Oh, why? Uh, I've moved there for work. Um, I was doing public accounting at the time. And, okay. Yeah. And what was the name of the, the firm that you were with? Cape and Krause. Yes. yes. Very famous, I very, think. Aren't they one of the large 
firms in the country, right? They're one of the well-known firms in the nonprofit okay. industry. Yep. Yeah, because if I've heard of them, <laughs> I pay very little attention to the uh, accounting world. But if I've heard of them, they must they must matter a little bit. But yeah, sure. Colorado Springs, and then you yep. move back from Colorado Springs back to Illinois. I find that interesting. Guy from Michigan. Is your wife from this area? She's also from Michigan. Um, we landed here primarily because, uh, the firm I was working for had an office in this area and asked us to move back to the Midwest. Okay. So we did. Did you find that difficult? Yeah. What yeah. about it was difficult? Uh, leaving the mountains. Okay. Going to a big city. Um, humidity. Colorado Springs is not tiny. It's not. No, it's probably it's, about 600,000 people. Okay. Um, it's small by comparison to Denver though. Yes. yes, true. Yep. Yeah. yep. True. Have you been to Garden of the Gods? Yes, yeah. many times. Very neat spot just north of Colorado Springs there. So, yep. yeah. Um, so do you, you miss, I'm assuming you miss Colorado Springs a little bit. Do you go back and visit much? We go back probably every couple of years and I don't miss it until I go back. Oh, okay. Your kids, so, though, born there? All of them. Okay. Yep. Do they remember it much? Oldest, oldest two do. The younger two do not. Okay. Oh. Okay, so uh, why did you start working at a church then? Well, that's a that's a very good question. Um, the accounting firm I was working for, I, I mentioned they work a lot with nonprofits, so I love churches. Um, I did a lot of work with churches, and we were attending Harvest. Um, one day I'm working at home, and my phone rings, and I answered it, even though it was kind of after hours, and it was... Um, the former pastor here called and just said, hey, you ever think of doing anything different? Uh, to which I said, sure, not, yeah, maybe, but not really. This is all I've done since college. And so we started a conversation and about six weeks later, I was here. And now you're, and now it's stuck. Now it's stuck. You're, you've yeah. been, you're so deep into the black hole, there's no way out. That's right. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you, Jeff. Jeff, Thank you're you. a big cyclist. Yes. Yes. Is that like if 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 somebody wanted to know something that was really important to you? Obviously, your faith in Christ, mm-hmm. the fact that you don't want to spend any money on me, and then third, <laughs> it's the cycling, isn't it? Um, my family might come above that. Oh, maybe. But like like uh, person, but like it. a personal yeah personal thing. Yep. Probably number one hobby would be cycling. Okay. Yes. So how long have you been cycling? Maybe twelve years. Okay. Uh, are you very good at it? You fast cyclist? I mean, I do my best to keep up with Carl. I don't know about uh, that. So I, I hold my own. Okay. He's fun to ride behind because of his size. He does great <laughs> drafting. It's really nice. Right. Are you, uh, do you ever race in cycling? I have not since I've moved to Illinois. I did a couple of races oh. in Colorado. Oh, so do you hill climber? Yeah. You enjoy the good Those hill. Are fun. Those are fun. So you usually know when you're talking to somebody who's serious about cycling is when they say stuff like hills are fun. Because <laughs> mo- most of the people who are involved in cycling uh, just, you know, who aren't avid about it are like, yeah, I, I, I don't feel that way mm-hmm. all the time. But they yep. can be actually. The more you do, the more you cycle, the more you're thinking, oh, actually he'll break things up a little bit. It does. Yep. Well, that's great. When's the next time you're going to be racing your bike? Well, that's a good question. Maybe. We should race. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do I get a head start? <laughs> well, and to get your or e-bike. an e-bike. An e-bike. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, e-bike. One of the two. That would that's be good. My, yeah. That's my, my uh, hope. Uh, 
Jeff, uh, we are talking in this little series of podcasts about money and possessions and things like that. You have a particular, you're, you're actually oversee the stewardship ministry of our church, mm-hmm. uh, which includes a whole bunch of stuff. Benevolence, yep. which tell me what benevolence is. Benevolence is, um, I think of it out of, out of the book of Acts where believers have come together to say, hey, we're going to basically care for others that have need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what people have done is they've given into this pool of, of resources that's managed by the church um, to help others within the church that have a need, such as paying a mortgage, um, paying utility bill, a car repair, yeah. um, the car's ministry falls under this ministry as well. So, right. Yeah. So does some of the Hope Center stuff here in Elgin. Yeah. 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 So you guys are actively involved in, in that. And so can I give money to this? Can anybody give yeah. money yeah. at all? Yep. It's not it's not something that's publicized that much though. Right. So the Lord really brought in an incredible amount of resources in 2020. Um when the when we had this pandemic, yeah. um there was a wonderful I would say movement of generosity that people said, "Hey, uh we see others in need, we're going to give to this." Um and so we've been able to continue to utilize the resources that came in then to to meet the current needs we have. Mm. Um we still have people give towards this effort, uh, but we haven't had to make a big push to to increase the the resources there. Right, but yeah. if somebody is interested in giving, particularly to uh, care needs or or benevolence, absolutely, that is something you can get in touch with Jeff Sharda, J Sharda. That's right at harvestbiblechapel.org. Um, Jeff, you've had a particular interest in uh, money, though, obviously, because you're an accountant and mm-hmm. financial officer here. And uh, what do you think about these passages of Scripture that we've been working through? Like, what's your overall, you've been, we've been through, through three passages. Mm-hmm. What is your overall, like, vibe about them? Have I missed it? I've missed it all. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> and not at all. Okay. No, I've... I've uh, you knew this about me, Jeff, before you started. I was going to love this series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did share with my small group a couple of weeks ago. I said, I'm, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about money for the next week, six weeks. And, and they all kind of looked at me and I went, guys, I'm really excited. And, and I, I know, but I'm the money guy, right? So yeah. of course I'm excited. But I think it's been super helpful um, to really step back and, and think through. Um, and, and I love actually these first few passages have all been out of Luke. Yeah. Um, well, Luke's got a special interest in it. Yeah. And it was, that was actually on purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. The Luke 12 passage is a story of the rich fool. But yeah. I wanted to, the next two show both positive and negative examples from, mm-hmm. from Luke regarding what it looks like yeah. to not be a fool or yeah. to be a fool in that particular case. And so mm-hmm. you, you've got these two examples this last weekend. We talked about Jesus and Zacchaeus, the wee little guy who is a chief tax collector who ended up climbing a tree because he mm-hmm. wanted to see Jesus. A very, very no-no thing in that particular culture, if you're an important man. Um, and then Jesus stopped and welcomed him into his life, and mm-hmm. Jesus actually kind of welcomes himself over to the guy's uh, house. I'm going to come and stay with you. Yeah. And Zacchaeus responds to that pretty remarkable move of grace. I mean, uh, prophets and others don't spend time with wicked sinners, especially not chief tax collectors. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus or Zacchaeus responds by giving away half of his goods, which is substantial. Yes. Yes. Um, 
but not the same amount, by the way, of what the rich ruler was asked to give, who was right. asked to give everything. And so this yeah. is actually one of the questions that some people raise whenever they talk about this stuff. I mean, when the rich ruler is asked to give everything away, should mm. he be giving everything away? Well, uh, the intent that Jesus has there is, is that the, the money that he has should be at the disposal of Jesus mm. or to, to give to the poor, or he should actually abandon his trust in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount differs with different people, right? Mm-hmm. So for Zacchaeus, he, expl- he he expresses his faith by giving half, which, yeah. by the way, would have left him a substantially wealthy man. But uh, it's still a pretty sacrificial move yeah. on his part. I mean, you think even guys like Elon Musk, if they were going to give half of their stuff away, would be still a pretty big deal. Right. And then Jesus pronounces that he can tell salvation's come into this guy's life because of what he's just done. Yeah. And um, Luke holds this up as the example of discipleship in his in his book, mm-hmm. um, because it does have to do with money. And I think for Luke anyway, that money is core to what he sees. You know, people sure. loving over God. So. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting passage, and so I'm interested in your take on it. You have a page of notes that you took two, on my sermon. I, I don't even take that two, many notes about my sermon. That's two, two pages. pages of notes. Wow. And dated. Yeah. This is important. Anyway, no, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about the passage and about uh, different questions or things like that that came up as you were listening to it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, honestly, the first time I heard it, we were driving so I didn't get to take notes. So you I got go to, to church to it a second time. Do you actually go to church? Once though? in a while, like, we we do darken the doors, but because the two weekend, times we we've not. asked you about church, <laughs> my face is like, oh, what? <laughs> okay, yeah. Anyway, we, you're we, have this, we have this wonderful you're so, online. You're busy yeah. on the weekends. You work hard during the week. Yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm, he does go to church, and he values the right. gathering of yes, the of the community. Let us not neglect to be together. Okay. Anyway, my wife was taking notes next to me while I was driving. Okay. And you said probably two thirds of the way through the sermon, and I said at the end, I said to my wife, "What was that line?" He said because it it stuck with me so heavily. But it was, and I'm going to read it here. But it was our generosity toward others will rise or fall based largely on our sense of God's generosity towards us. Mm. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I've been working to even like just get that ingrained in my head because I think that's such a, um, it's so true. Like, do I, do I understand the generosity that God has um, poured out towards me? And is that reflective in how I Grace. respond to others? Yeah, one of the things that most, uh, that, that uh, thank God has made a, um, comeback in the last number of years mm-hmm. among Christian teachers is the re- belief that the gospel forms not just the basis for your conversion, but the mm-hmm. basis for your whole life. And that the prime motivation that you have in the scriptures to obey God in the new covenant, right? So yeah. under the New Testament, uh, is not law. Yeah. What you don't get from um, from the Apostle Paul when he's explaining stuff, or Peter or the other authors, you know, Luke, you don't get a lot of, hey, do this because you were told to do it. That's there, by the way. I mean, there are, you know, to call Jesus Lord is to submit to him yeah. and his authority. But when you get these specific uh, issues, oftentimes what you get is you should do this because Christ mm. did this. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you should love your neighbor as you've been loved mm-hmm. by Christ. So think about how much you've been loved. 
by Christ. So then pass that, pass that kind of thing on, or use that as a model. Uh, you, you know, you, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Look at how God is. And to be, so to be a child of God is, is to be somebody who reflects what he's already shown on you and everybody else. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. the, the gospel forms the basis then for the actions or in theological terminology, we end up saying things like the indicative drives the imperative, the indicative, the statement of who you sure. are and what God has done for you actually is the basis for why it is that you should do something. Yeah. The whole premise for the book of Ephesians, right? right? But you don't often, man, I've heard a lot of sermons on, uh, on money. Mm-hmm. Often, what you get is uh, give money to God because he will then owe you. That's one option. Give money to God because he told you to. Mm. And if you're not giving a certain amount, he's not happy about it. You're stealing from mm. him, which, it, by the way, is language from Malachi. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not biblical language. Or what you get in the New Testament often is uh, give money to God because you're investing in a, in a, in a kingdom in response to his grace that is worth more than anything you could ever imagine. And it's that last one that we're really trying to fo- not just focus on, but show, hey, th- this is actually what it says. This is actually what, what you're sp- the reason you're supposed to do it. So that's one of the reasons I included this one, because it's such a lovely picture of grace mm-hmm. and how, how that drives us forward in giving. Yeah, It's the, it's the delight yeah, over it's the duty. A, yeah. It's not a duty. Yeah. It, it's a delight. I, yeah. Do you think people uh, view it that way, though? Giving. Uh, yes. Well, you I do. do. As, Why do as, you do as a delight or as a duty? As a delight, I do. But I wish everybody did. Okay, what makes it, it so it's delightful to you? Because it um, is. You 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 actually find great joy in giving. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, and and I will credit my wife for um, helping me to get here uh, because it's not natural in in my um, in my core being to want to be you know to give to be generous, um, but she has really stretched me to say. hey, it's not ours anyway. Money comes, money goes, um, you know. And I think you've been talking to a lot about a river, right? Yeah. And if God's pouring money into this river, we should be pouring it back out. Yeah. Um, so I, I, we were talking even this morning, and I'm, I will challenge anybody that happens to be listening now, but I, I think um, I, I would ask any listener if you've ever made a gift um, – a generous gift. And if you've ever looked back and gone, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, and I think I've never talked to anybody that has said, no, I've never in my own life. That's, uh, that's never been the case. It's actually always been a a rich blessing, both to me and to the person, the people who received it. Or further, it would have been, I I wish I could have done more. Right. And by God's grace, maybe I will be able to someday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, um, I'm interested to find out how you came to this then. <laughs> like as somebody who's not like that, what, what kinds of principles or ideas did your wife say to you? Was it just the fact that it's not your money? That was enough? That was helpful. Yeah. And in alongside that. What kind of practices say- do you put in place? I'm actually trying to ask if yeah. there are certain things that you do, your family does that stretches you in this area and that has led you to be in this position that mm. others who aren't in that position. Cause I, I do believe that for most people, whenever they hear some pastor or anybody uh, who's picking up a Bible saying, Hey, you should be giving, they hear duty. Sure. Yeah. So help me understand how Jeff Sharda moved from duty to delight. Um, so 
again, I credit my wife on helping to just change my mindset early in our marriage. Uh, in addition to that, is that hard for you guys in oh, your marriage? Oh yeah, because finances like, are a big issue for a lot of young married couples. Yeah, yeah. So wait, wait, wait. We want to give this away. Um, and she said, "Yeah, of course, that's what we do." Um, so <laughs> you said by by we you mean you? <laughs> yeah. And then shortly after we were married, probably two years in, we took a um, Crown Financial class, okay, which is the old Larry Burkett. Um, so tell, tell people who don't you haven't been around the church for a long time. What is that? It, it it's similar to uh, like a financial peace university, okay. Dave Ramsey. Um, but I would say more scripture focused, more. Um, so it's a course. It's a it's a course about money. It is from yeah. a yeah. biblical background. Although this one has more biblical content than say some of the other ones that are more new newer. Yeah, yep. and really drives at the point through the whole the whole course of everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24, mm-hmm. right? It, 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 it's all the Lord's um, to the point where one of the people we were taking the class with, uh, you know, we're all young out of college, so don't really have much in the way of dollars and assets. Mm-hmm. Um, something dropped out of his garage and landed on his new car. And his response that he shared with us later was, God, why do you want this dent on your car? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That that was and I, and that has stuck with me because yeah. I, I think it's just such a pure and clean look at like it is the Lord's. Yeah. So let's let's use it and give it back to him. Yeah. So. Did he give back the car right then? Yeah. Or is so it, you can have it back. Can, <laughs> now that it has a dent on it. Yeah. That car's give the it Lord's. Back to Lord. I'll drive the other one now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> totally. Um, so in this passage, um well, actually I wanted to Ask a question related to the last passage that we studied in the rich rich ruler. You have this interesting, you know. There's this. There's a Luke is intending a comparison. Here's you have this rich religious guy, mm. uh, and he turns away from Jesus because he's asked for his money. And you have this rich, irreligious guy. Sure. I mean, he's basically said, "Now, nah, look, my religion, my my devotion to Israel is so so small that I'm willing to actually rake them over the coals for my own personal benefit." Yeah. So. So he's an irreligious guy, sinner, as they yeah. call him, and yet he responds with this fantastic. So there is, there's intended to be this comparison going on mm. in the passage. But in that passage about the rich ruler at the end, we brought it up last week, there's this language about the church being mm-hmm. the centerpiece of how uh, you're going to be taken care of. Because this is a question everybody has. Well, what if I give up all this stuff? Well, like, right. what, will, what will I have? And stuff like that. And I wanted to bring up... Today, this passage in Acts chapter 4, which we've uh, looked at even in the last year or two, but you might mm. people might have missed it a little bit. Um, Acts 4. What text am I looking at? Acts 4. Uh, 32 uh, through 37. 32, yeah. I had everything in common. So, Carl, you read it. Okay. At the risk of talking too much, let me read the five verses. Well, <laughs> it's not you talking so much as the Word of God, so we're okay oh. with that. Good, good point. I'll just be. By the, the way, everybody, I'm Luke. totally kidding. I'll just be the I tease people I love, and I love Carl and Jeff. And we've had the pleasure of doing this now. This is our third one. Yeah, no. and we only have two left, so it's great. Okay. Uh, yeah, Acts uh, four, starting in verse thirty-two. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Which is, I just stop real quickly because essentially. If it doesn't belong to him himself, I, I do think that the intention there is no, it actually belongs to God, and God wants it to be shared with the community. I think that was yeah. their attitude. Yeah, yeah. 
Actually, so I'm reading from the ESV. If you look at the NRSV. New Revised Standard. That translates like this. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And this is an interesting part. No one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. Mm. That probably means something to you and some finance people like me. To be held in common, yeah. it's actually quite a, it's a literal legal banking term right. to be held in common versus jointly. Um, but there's that commonality of the ownership of the possessions is not to be missed here. So is that communism? No. Well, oh, you hesitated, gonna, yeah. didn't you? You're such <laughs> a, <laughs> such a Stalin. I didn't know who you were asking, him or me. So I'm yeah. asking both of you. Go ahead. Yes, I don't believe. I don't believe so. I don't believe. I believe that the 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 main component of this is to remove the selfishness of possessions on, uh, for the benefit of all who share in the same heart and the same soul that the, the spirit has been moving in between. Yeah. And, and isn't part of communism that it's, that it's demanded of you. It's yeah. not something you're willingly. Well, I don't think anybody yeah. would disagree with the fundamental uh, idea behind communism that mm. wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where everybody had enough mm-hmm. to, to live on, to, you know, and that those who had more would be willing to share it with those who had less. Mm. I, th- I think that the heart of it is that. The next step is, uh, and we can do make that happen if you just let us be in charge of it. So socialism. So we start we start doing that, and we extract certain things from some people and give them to others who are part of our special interest groups or things mm-hmm. like that. And so in the end, communism's a naive concept because in it, it you can't in a sinful world you, you can't do it but the 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 miracle of the early church is that nobody needed to mandate this right it was just happening that's the kind of uh use the language koinonia that's the kind of fellowship yeah. that they were having with each other that was so robust that when somebody like the like the the fund that we have benevolence, benevolence fund yeah. they were like no no i see people who who need that? So I'm just, I'm going to give it to the leaders of the of the church so they can distribute it mm-hmm. among those who do need it. I'd probably to say it's just happening. I mean, there is a there is an agent here. It's the Holy Spirit sure. it's being mm. manifest through a love. Like think about in our families, we care for not out of duty for our children or our spouses, or you know, we do it out of love that we share all that we have for everyone in our family, next of kin. Right. How big is your family? Go could be cousins, could be anyone, could move into your house, you would feed them gladly mm-hmm. from from all that the Lord has provided. It's a wonderful extension into non-bloodline family, but but one heart and one spirit type family. That's a huge difference between that and communism. Well, the church the church is supposed to be the family, primary family of God, which is it's interesting you can use that language. Well, you, of course you'd share with your brother. Of course you'd share with your kids. Of course you'd share with that. I kind of is the attitude that the scriptures have. Or God yeah. does. That's right. You guys are all brothers and sisters. Of course sure. you'd share with your brother. Of course you'd care with kids. Sure. And there are modern day communities that are like this. Like that actually they live together, right? A commune or a... I spent Jewish it, culture uh, had them. Isn't yeah. that I, where... I spent the, time. Yeah. Aren't they the ones in Waco, Texas that well, the well, FBI maybe. attacks and stuff? At Baylor there. University. Okay. Liberty. Liberty uh, is a bit of a bubble. Liberty, Liberty. Liberty University lives like but this. They do. They're a bit of a bubble. Stop the Liberty it. bubble. They do not. <laughs> My son goes there. I love it. It's the best school. We lived in Israel for a semester, yep. and they kibbutz. they have the kibbutz, kibbutz. Yeah. right? Yep. yep, same idea. 
Yeah, and there are groups. Seriously, it, yeah. you know, not not massively, uh, you know, religious groups in the in the traditional sense of that term, right. who live like this in parts of the world. They live in community community life and stuff. But even there, you end up finding uh, it breaking down right. significantly. I think that the point that that Luke is making in Acts is that he, here's what happens when the spirit comes upon a group of people. It's, it, 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 it perpetuates. Mm. Um, but I don't think it's a repudiation of any kind of capitalist ideas. There are, there are in the scripture, uh, people who have more and people who have less. Right. Right. I mean, Solomon had more and, uh, he, he was God's King. Even in the, in the new Testament, you have, you know, some who have houses and others do not have the same houses. And so that distinction is not necessarily a sinful distinction. Right. But those who had more recognized their responsibility toward those who had less. To be generous. Yeah. And that's why they had it. Yeah. And this is an example of that. So what, verse 33? So I want to... Carl did not just read his five verses. No, I read no, one. No, I'm letting him read more. Okay. That was but, I, one. but I mean, that was, he talked way more than the five verses. Oh, All come right. on. Well, you know me. Hard with great power. With great power. It is with great power. The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Great grace fell upon them. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and uh, it was distributed to each. Did we had need. run right over that? That's a re- those are remarkable acts. I mean, seriously, guys. If uh, I, like, I've been involved with people who've been in lawsuits, and their big their big complaint is, "Man, I just don't want to lose my house. I just mm-hmm. don't want to." You know what I mean? Right. Well, here are people who actually are giving up uh, their homes, which were probably ancestral. <laughs> So it's not like it's meaningless yeah. no. <laughs> house. They didn't just buy it three years ago and somebody else lived in it a long time ago. They're like grandma and grandpa and great grandma and great. They all probably lived in the same place. And so they are, they are selling those properties because the family of God matters that much to them, mm. um, which is crazy, right? And some had extra. As I mean, at the end here, you have uh, the last part of the passage is about a, a Barnabas, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was a Levite, meaning he was a priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a native of Cyprus. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The really countercultural thing in here, too, is back in Greco-Roman time, it'd be fine to share, but you would share it at a socioeconomic equal Mm-hmm. to what's groundbreaking in this passage is to share with someone far below you as someone of means or well even in those i mean in those days you you might share with somebody who's got less but it would only be for a patronage mm-hmm. thing do you know what i mean like reciprocity or something right like yeah. you're trying to get something in return that's mm-hmm. what's so interesting about this passage is there is no there's no agenda yeah. being had with it the idea is look I recognize that God gave me this money or this land, these sorts of things. And he gave me for just such a time as this, that I might be able to use it to supply the needs of these people at this present time. This is actually one of Paul's big arguments whenever, when he gets into the, the collection for the poor in second Corinthians eight and nine, he comes to the Corinthians and he's like, look, uh, you have plenty at this point while they have need. Mm. And he's, he's kind of pointing to the, 
providence in that and saying, hey, kind of like when Joseph showed up in Egypt and was told to set aside a certain amount so that when there would be, God has already done that in your setting (laughs) and you have it and your brothers and sisters need it. So just recognize your responsibility to give it. Yeah. Yeah, to them. Yeah, um, which is a very different attitude than than than. I mean, that's on a church level, but a very different attitude on even on individual and on an individual level. We tend to think that my excess that I have this year is not nece- is not necessarily something that uh, I'm I have because I'm I'm called to share it more mm-hmm. liberally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, my excess is something that I have so that I can. So that I can have, you know, the new boat or the new whatever, yeah. that kind of thing. So is it a sin, Jeff Sharda, to buy a new boat? No. Maybe. maybe. I should say. <laughs> it it may be. Okay, so tell, help, me with, help me through that. Because those are the questions that people have in the end, right? We can talk yeah. forever about, about the principles and things. But people start thinking, all right, um, how much is too much? How much money should I be giving? Mm. You know, what does God want? Uh when is it wrong to buy a bike? How how expensive should the bike be? They want rules. There's Give no, us some rules, Jeff. There's no limit on the bike. <laughs> That's kidding, right. kidding. I'm kidding. Um, you, Think about the carbon credits you're earning. <laughs> Gas savings. It'll pay for itself. <laughs> the, the big thing, honestly, for me, and when I've been asked this question is, are you being obedient to the Lord? And doing what he's asked you to do with those resources. Um, if you feel like he's allowing you to buy a boat, I think you can buy a boat. Um, if, if your sense is, no, I should probably be. So there's a conscience thing you're saying. Yeah. So there's a, I mean, this is why you shouldn't deaden your conscience. Right. There are, there are going to be some people that buying the boat is going to be something that their, their conscience permits them. And, and yeah. others, it will not. Right. Uh, listens to your conscience, which, by the way, should not shock anybody that's the case in a lot of the disputable matter issues there are some people whose conscience will would would allow them to uh go and you know sit in a bar and drink and Mm -hmm. some people it would not allow but that conscience should be listened to by the individual christian and it should not be denigrated by anybody else right which is the problem here with money because because there will be people who have the freedom of conscience to purchase something because they're like no I, i don't my heart's not being dragged away with it or anything right. like that. I'm going to, I want to use it to serve other people. Yeah. We have two properties, but you know, the other property is free for everyone to use. So is this one. It's all the Lord's. Yeah. Whereas other people don't have that freedom because they know full well that if they got it, it would be something that they'd be tempted to love too much and hoard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that those things have to be decided, I think by the individuals. Yeah. And, and, your spouse, if you're married. Yeah, totally. I think it's so totally important, right? That, that, <laughs> the Lord has given us, I mean, the three of us have wives that we mm-hmm. thank the Lord can mm-hmm. process that with and let the Spirit lead us. Right. And, yeah. There just yeah. doesn't need to be, my fear is that there ends up becoming legalism around these things sometimes. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the fact that somebody chooses to have something and somebody else chooses not to have it, there are a thousand reasons why that might be the case. Yep. Uh, one of those might be their hoarding, but that's really something between them and the Lord mm-hmm. that they, they need to sort that out. One, one practice we've done too is to, especially on a, on a purchase, using the example of a boat, it's to not rush into it, but to take the time to be prayerful and to wrestle with like, is this a need or a want? Yeah. What's my definition of need at this point in my life or a want at this point in my life? 
you know, and is it do, wrong do, to have a want to have something you want? I hope not. Because no, I mean that. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just pick. I'm a little, little bit picking on you, but yeah. at the same time, I do think that there. So your language there, not the intent of it, but just for sake of discussion, mm-hmm. um, sounds ascetic to me. Do you know what I mean? Ascetic, like yeah, like monkish yeah. to me. Well, you should only have your needs. Yeah. Yes and no. Well, I mean, the Lord gives a, us everything boat, we have, so we might enjoy life. Which is a boat or a bike might be a need to a person who's a thousand percent inside and has not had the enjoyment of being outside in creation. And that's his means to be doing that. There could be, they're, they're subjective, right? I mean, those, those words are, if you have three boats and and you're going to get a fourth, yeah, it's probably more want. Yeah. Well, this is where we start raising questions. So about, I I think in some ways what I want to, what I'd like to say is that I'm not sure that the need versus want is the appropriate category. The question is, are you sharing what you have with, with other mm-hmm. people and are you just collecting things <laughs> yeah. to collect them? Right. And you know what I mean? Um, my point in the thing was to be, your point be was sent, to sin. My, <laughs> my point was to take the time. <laughs> my point was to <laughs> be judicious with your time when it makes when oh, absolutely making those right. decisions. I think that's a fair discipline. For it is very much so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with a want. Right. And, and realistically in our, in the Western culture, there's very little we need mm. because we have food on our tables every day. Right. Um, you know, if you, if you go to a third world country where they may not have three square meals a day, mm-hmm. uh, that's a legitimate need. Right. So, I, but I don't think the wants are bad. Necessarily. No, no, it's, they're dangerous. Right. Yes. And that's same thing with most good things. Yeah. Right. The wants are, are good might be for good things. It's just that they can be dangerous if, and, and be handled with care, right? So mm-hmm. if I, if I have my heart set on a particular bike and I'm finally by it, there's a temptation that I'm going to have to be like, no one is touching it ever. Uh, I will only ever keep it in this glass case when nobody, you know, and the kids stay, what you, do you yeah. know, see what I mean? You yeah. all of a sudden you start treating the thing like it's an idol because yeah. it is an idol. Yep. to you and so these are the these are the challenges that you have in your heart and mind when you start thinking about a, a lot of these things mm-hmm. um but i do i do want to make sure that the people who are listening to these sermons and stuff recognize that one of the big parts of uh the teaching about money in the bible is that money itself is a good thing that physical things are good things and you know uh, riding a bike and having the wind blow through your hair and ha- feeling the the shifters on the bike because you went and bought the better shifters mm-hmm. feeling them shift well is a lovely it's a it's great sure. it's great but that's something that you need to decide between you and god regarding what what you need what you don't need what you know yeah and it's okay to want to have some you know a, a nice shirt but hoarding lots of nice shirts is probably overboard so let me ask you this is it okay to have the nicer shifters or the nicer shirt if you are either being stretched so much to be able to buy that yeah, thing I don't know. or if it's limiting it, what you can give, I, well, I would probably be like, e. one of the things I tell people a lot, whenever they ask me for guidance about stuff like this, one of the things I tell people is, and I might've said it in a previous podcast that um, the one thing sh- that should feel like you're being stretched by is your giving. Mm. Right, yep. more than your mortgage, more than your other things. That mm-hmm. the amount of money that you're giving, you're like, it yeah. feels a little much. Yeah, 
that that practice is, I think, exactly puts us in exactly the kind of position that the Lord wants us to be in. Mm-hmm. That, Lord, you're going to have to come through yeah. mm-hmm. for this yep. to actually come to reality. And there's going to be other areas in our lives that you're going to have to provide for because we're, making, we're taking a risk here. Yeah. And as you'll hear this weekend, I actually think that the promise of Scripture is that he will take care of all of those things. Because there's got to be a source to the river. And yeah. if God's the source, that has to be the promise. And I think that the more water that flows down there, to use that image, yeah. right? Yeah. The more water that flows down the river, the wider the river gets. Mm. And its capacity to flow more water down yeah. gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But the goal of the river is to pass it down. That's how you, it grows. Uh, it gets bigger w- by the flow, yeah. whereas lakes don't. <laughs> Sorry, ponds don't. They're just what they are. In fact, they end up drying up, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Or becoming stinky. I just watched a video with my son on YouTube about there's a whole bunch of stagnant water um, on above a beach, and a kid who's really good at like scurf, surfing and wakeboarding created a little path for all that water to start to drain into the ocean, and it was down a steep embankment of the beach. And within a matter of an hour, what started as a very narrow stream got deeper, 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 and wider. An hour and a half later, there were three guys abreast, uh, all surfing wow. the high flow, and it was a foot to two feet deep through the beach. It had carved a canyon in the sand, right? Because more and more water was wow. making its way and flowing. It's a great picture. I'm going yeah. to use this picture this weekend. No, if you hear this right now, it's awesome. you come to church. I am absolutely using. It. I'm not. I'm saying. I'm not going to tell Carl that. It, it's his. I'm plagiarizing it 100%. It came from YouTube. I said it first. <laughs> I said, I'm the only person who's ever thought of this, Are ever. Because we we're of one mind, so you can just <laughs> immediately take it and claim it, being of one heart. That's soul. right. It's mine. Like, it's mine. <laughs> you are mine. I have a question from this, but you have like two pages okay. of, of notes. We should get to those and see. All right. We're almost to- done. So you, you get the last couple words here, Jeff Sharda. So you tell, you tell us some other things that you've been reflecting on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's an open and a loaded, yes. wide open question. I love it. Um, I, I have, a, I do have a question out of the passage, actually. Yep. What, what is it that got Zacchaeus excited about seeing Jesus? Do we know? I, th- I think that he was, well, I think two things in the background probably are getting him excited. Num- number one, that Jesus is a miracle worker, mm-hmm. right? And sure. second, that uh, I'm quite sure that the stories of him mixing with tax collectors and sinners had already come. Mm-hmm. And a guy who is a uh, social pariah, seeing that there is a, an important, influential guy who seems to have God's hand on him, who's ex- who's accepting and treating. You know, he's talking about he's hanging out with lepers and he's talking prostitutes mm-hmm. and other tax collectors. I, I would imagine that that, in and of itself, was enough of a draw. It's sure. quite an act on his part too, right? Yeah. I mean, like there there is a. The beauty of this passage, you get there. There's a whole other sermon to be to be preached about his act of uh, seeking, mm-hmm. right? Like like he was willing so to be a fool, yeah. right? He was willing to be a fool to to have Jesus, which is interesting because immediately prior to this passage, you get this story about this blind beggar who's yelling his head off, who, yeah. who also is willing to be a fool to come to Jesus, right? right? Right. So there is kind of in Luke's mind saying, hey, you know, uh, anything that you do to have Jesus is worth it. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Even climbing in a tree. Even climbing in a tree. Even look like an idiot yeah. to all of your your friends and neighbors. Yeah. Because you will. That's yeah. one of the reasons. I mean, yeah. or I think it's in Matthew's, uh, I can't remember, Matthew 13, I think, where you get the parable of the of the the uh, pearls and mm. the... Um, pearl of great price. Pearl of great price and, and the, the field. field, yeah. Which are in the field. Yeah. Which is interesting. The, the field is an interesting yeah, picture, like too, kingdom. because, like, okay, so in the in that passage, here's, you go and you buy the field. And you sold everything you could to buy the field. Right. Um, but nobody else knows the treasure's there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so everyone's going to look at you and think, what kind of idiot are you to sell everything you've got to buy that field? Mm. And yet you know, oh, I, I bought the field because... There's oil. Because, yeah. Because there's, yeah. there's something in it yeah. that's worth more than I could ever Kingdom. imagine. Right. And I, I think that generally that's kind of the idea is that, that you know... When it comes to to Jesus, the wide wider society will look at us and think we're crazy because we're investing in the kingdom with the belief that the kingdom is worth more mm. than any of the goods and goods and uh, material possessions we have. And yet we know as Christians that actually, in time, at the judgment, mm-hmm. we will be vindicated. Yeah, and and even today, I think we're being vindicated. Yes, through right because that. As you said this weekend, and I'm excited to hear about this weekend, but the the river is widening yes. as it's going as it's going down the the, the riverbed. It is. It's those are the prophets coming in. I mean, yeah. to to use the parable of the minas or the, or the talents, however you do it, like as the as the great flow increases, the pathway is. This is kingdom minded. Mm. Um, you know, to use his term, pro- prophets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for the kingdom. This has been fun, Jeff Sharda. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I thank you for coming. We like talking about money with you. Thank it's you. It's really fun. Yeah. Thank you, Carl, for being here and adding your expertise to all. I'm like of the these color matters. commentator. Like you know, you're the main dude, yeah. and I just like throw you in, just a, make that. throw a word. Now watch in. this. Watch this. Watch hey. this. Hey, see this guy? See this guy? Hey. He blocked. Hey. See him? <laughs> this has been really fun. Hey, listen, next week, uh, join us again. We'll be talking about. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verses mm. five to sixteen or something. No, four, six, six to fifteen. Fifteen. And yeah, uh, yeah we've been talking about that. And uh, so you can read that if you want to get ready for this weekend in our services. And uh, yeah, it's a great passage. You'll come to church and you'll be a little surprised. I'll come this week. Okay, thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll see the rest of you later. <laughs> <laughs>